episode 95 of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast features Dr. Andrew Pichardo, head strength conditioning coach at Tyler Legacy High School in Tyler, Texas. Coach Pichardo talks about his journey towards earning his doctorate, being a published coach and educator, some neck training details, and more. Make sure to follow Coach P on Twitter and check out his publications as well. Before we jump into today's episode, just a few housekeeping things. Remember to follow the show on Twitter at HWCN Podcast and share this episode or any that you find valuable. Don't forget to rate and review and help grow the show. If you're in the Dallas area and are looking for some fantastic custom cookies that look almost too good to eat, check out Texas Treaties. Podcast listeners can use a special 10% off promo to use the code PODCAST at checkout. If you're trying to step up your menswear game, then Etiquette Dawn is your choice. Etiquette Dawn is a truly custom apparel company that will have you looking like a sharp-dressed man. Check out www.etiquettedawncustomapparel.com for more information. When you need a coffee that works as hard as you do or as strong as your squat bench deadlift cleaner snatch, then I suggest checking out Viking Coffee Company. Podcast listeners, use the code COFFEE with Noonan for a 10% discount on single purchases but not subscriptions. Check out VikingCoffeeCo.com for more details and order the official coffee of the Hanging Coach Noonan Podcast. Drink coffee, work hard. If you're looking for a quick and effective way to keep your weight room, locker room, and more sanitized, then check out Xanago Sprayer. Bacteria can grow anywhere. The Freedom Sprayer goes with you so you can keep your athletes protected wherever you go. Check out Xanago.com and let them know Coach Noonan sent you. Now, enjoy today's episode with Coach Andrew Pichardo. On today's episode of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast, I am joined by the head strength conditioning coach at Tyler Legacy High School in Tyler, Texas, Coach Andrew Pichardo, Dr. Andrew Pichardo. What's going on, man? What's up, man? Thanks for having me. Man, it is great to have you. It has been a long time coming, man, and uh, you know I'm just thankful we can sit down and and do this and uh and make sure that uh you know we're we're getting your great works talked about um but then also you know just kind of your your journey uh all the way to getting a doctorate you know you you have the distinction of being the first and only doctorate uh person on on the podcast uh to date and so you know that in and of itself is an amazing accomplishment yeah, I appreciate it, man. Uh, it's, 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 you know, it was a journey, but you know, it's a cool, is it the cool honor? I think, uh, isn't, what's his name doing his doctorate? Tra- uh, Travis, Travis Mash is, but he's yeah. in the process of it. You're, you're, you already have it, man. So you, you have a leg up on, on Travis Mash. Oh gosh. <laughs> no, I'll, take, I'll take my, my small win wherever I can get it. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, you know, one of the things that intrigues me about you is just your way to ask questions and pose things, but then also come at it from a very research-based uh, kind of mind mind frame, right? It's not just, oh, well, I tried this and it works this way. Like you, you have the data to kind of prove and back that up. Has that always been the case for you, like in terms of approaching things from that mindset or... Is that something as you grew through school, you kind of came to figure out? Uh, pro- probably a bit of both. I mean, I de- I'll definitely say, you know, re- re- it's not like I just, you know, 
should just read a research paper and, you know, believe everything that's in there or something. But it teaches you to critically evaluate a study or method or, you know, just think about questions in, in a more systematic way. And then if you're trying to, you know, answer that question to go about it in a systematic way. Um, and I, I'm not really sure, like, how I, pro, you know, kind of really got started in the field was like being into bodybuilding in high school. And I would read like muscle and fitness and there would be, you know, articles in there. A lot of it was behind supplements, but there was training stuff in there too. And that was probably the first training material I had read. I wasn't, you know, interested really in strength and conditioning. It was more just, you know, about bodybuilding, you know, what, how different exercises target different muscles. And, and so in a way I was kind of coming at it from not necessarily scientific approach, but like, you know, reading about it in a way that writers are writing about something versus just going to the gym and trying to figure it out. Um, so I, th I think that kind of started it. And then we talked about this last time we recorded, but Jim Stefani was, a he's like the Jack doctor. He had this column in these magazines and it was like this bodybuilder. That was a doctor that was, you know, big and he's tatted up. And, and that was the first time I kind of thought like, Oh, you can, you know, be a doctor and be educated and, and also still be a meathead. Um, and, and that's kind of, I mean, I've always kind of thought my, of myself in that, in that space a little bit. Um, so, you know, I think research helps when you're answering questions, but it's not the end all be all it's just, you know, the, uh, another way to go about it. Um, you still have to put in the time doing your own or, um, you know, experimenting with stuff even if it's based on research yeah I don't, I don't think you can just follow it word for word yeah you know speaking of research you have uh, several publication you know sub, several published uh articles and research papers you know um i know we had talked a little bit on a previous time i think the, you said that the the most red one or, or the, probably the one that i guess you're most known for was the one recording um resistance training and athletics was that it it was called i don't even know what it's called integrating youth long-term athletic development models into the physical development of youth or something like that mm -hmm. um yeah so that that was my first publication it was my first chapter of my PhD. So, and this is, I mean, this is how the PhD system works in New Zealand, which is w one reason that I wanted to go there and that, you know, it's a, it's a great place to do a PhD, but you can do it by publication, which means all you're doing is writing, you know, it's just writing based. So there's no, there's no extra coursework to take. It's just mostly a three-year research degree um, and how you can do it there is do, doing it by publication if you get like two or three of your papers accepted as chapters, you can kind of just plug and play into the thesis. So that was the idea is like, as I'm writing up these chapters for my PhD, I could publish them. So when I go to defend it, um, it's not like, you know, it's not like here where you have this big dissertation defense and you're given a presentation, like even my master's uh, thesis defense was, you know, kind of intense. Whereas with the PhD, all, by the time I went to defend, I had all five of my chapters accepted and on their way to being published so it has gone through a peer review process already 
it's been edited for th- you know things that help clarify some points. Um, and then you really just kind of can drag and drop it in there. Um, so that first chapter was just looking at different long-term athletic development models and different models that have been proposed out there for different methods of training, um, like resistance training, plyometrics, and weightlifting. So there's papers out there um, that have used long-term athletic development models. So the LTAD model is the biggest, I guess the most known one, which has like the different stages of fundamental learning to train, training to, to train, training to win, training to compete. Uh, that was a Canadian model made in the early 2000s. And it's kind of one of the first ones, but those stages have been used for other models. So there's another, Roger Lloyd and John Oliver, and um, I think Mike Stone was on it, have come and done a weightlifting version of that and said, you know, here's how to periodize, periodize your weightlifting training over the time and how you can have different stages, same for five metrics. Um, so that paper was trying to look at all these different models and different ways to train and put them in into stages in a, I guess the biggest thing is the figures and just visually seeing how they align to each other. So if I'm in the learning to train phase and I'm, you know, 12 years old and I'm just, you know, learning the basics, here's what my resistance training focus is. Here's what my plyometric, you know, focus is. Here's what my weightlifting focus could be. Um, and I think that, I guess it just resonated with a lot of people because, you know, it's, it's, it's taken these five different, you know, five to six different models um, that people have already come up with and putting them all into one paper and saying, you know, here's how these researchers think we should develop speed over childhood. Here's how they think we should develop agility and uh, aerobic capacity. Um, But yeah, so it's been read the most and cited and I've talked about it um, to different people. So it seems to be the most popular. uh, And it was my first one, which is just kind of ironic. That's really cool, though, you know, um, but I'm kind of drawn to this, to your 16-week next strength program, uh, one talking about head uh, kinematics, and particularly in youth soccer athletes, but I'm sure that you could extrapolate it and apply it to just, you know, the high school level and maybe not even just soccer, but, you know, and just sports in general, um, especially those that may be collision or contact, um, you know, because what I feel like I've seen a greater increase in um, recently on Twitter is coaches posting this um, pre, um, pre-contact kind of training methodologies into their summer strength conditioning programs. So whether it's, you know, body to body, uh, on the ground in, in, a, in a quadruped stance or, or in, a, in a bipedal, you know, standing, um, you know, how, how are you, how did you kind of come up with that program or, or the group of y'all that worked together on it? Uh, but then also how do you take and incorporate um, neck training and, and I guess potentially um contact preparation into summer strength conditioning uh, for the sports that you work with at at your high school? Yep. So that paper, I was kind of more loosely involved with compared to some of the other ones in terms of uh, they were the other authors on there were students that I met at AUT. So one was from Canada, one was from France. Um, 
and one was a concussion specialist. She was doing her PhD on concussion stuff. Uh, and then the guy, Dustin, um, he had worked with people back in, I think Calgary or somewhere, somewhere in Canada that were developing this machine, which is what was used in that study. So they were trying to basically use the machine to see, you know, if you can affect neck strength and it's something that it's a perturbation. So it like drops a weight and like jerks you forward and measures the kinematics of, you know, how fast you're moving and what angle and stuff like that. Um, and then the kids, so like, I didn't run the, I didn't run the intervention. I don't, I've never met the kids that were, you know, in the study, but it was, yeah, it was youth soccer players and they just did a, I think it was all body weight exercises um, for yeah, 12, 16 weeks. And, you know, they improved their neck strength. And so when I was writing that paper, I was reading a lot of the research around, um, you know, neck protocols and stuff. And uh, it seems like strengthening, you know, movements that we typically think of in the, in the, in the weight room can help, you know, band, banded neck stuff. I mean, if you, you can do body weight stuff, they were just doing bridges. Um, you know, you see a lot of the other things where people are leaning and you're holding their head and they're, it's an isometric next neck contraction. Um, when I was at Florida, they did four way neck every single, every single day they lifted, they did neck and as part of the warm up rotation, um, rotational and, you know, different directions. So I think it's important, you know, especially, especially for football players, uh, which I don't work with at Tyler legacy. So I, I don't incorporate, I really don't incorporate much of it at this current moment. Um, so I think, you know, it'd be good to, it depends how much, you know, it's obviously it always depends on your setting. So if you have more time than other people or, you know, different resources, you can do different things. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, band work, just attaching the band to rack, doing different isometric stuff with the band, partner work with, you know, leaning, holding their head, you know, bridges on the ground. We do glute bridges. So you could easily just add, you know, hey, get your whole neck off the ground kind of thing. I think they, they might have done it on a bench, but th there is ways to do it. And I think it could be beneficial. It's just, um, you know, one of those time analysis that you have to do in your head. And um, I know like I've talked with our coach and they do a lot of work on low, I guess lower impact heading, which maybe isn't necessarily building up the strength, but a lot of these, you know, a lot of the heading is just getting good contact with the ball and stuff like that, which is where the concussions come from. So I think, you know, there's a technique piece in there that if you can learn how to head the ball right, you're going to be, that's a protective mechanism in itself. Um, you know, so I think that they get some of that practice. I don't know if it's loaded heavy enough or, you know, the ball's coming from high or fast enough to get strength adaptations. But um, we haven't had too many problems with concussions with soccer at, at the moment. So it's not something like I've, I've you know, looked at the program and say, Hey, we, we really need to add this stuff in to, to cut down on. Yeah. You know, and that's the deal is I think those of us in the know, know it's not football that's leading the way in terms of concussions. And, and as far as sports go, it's actually some of the other ones, soccer being um, one of the higher ones, but everybody, jump straight to football and you know more from the violence of it um with the with the collision um but you know like you alluded to earlier uh technique plays a huge role 
you know, e even just in, in the technique in which you're doing your neck work, um, you know, because obviously uh, if you do so something the wrong way, you could easily, you know, hurt yourself. Um, but the other deal would be, you know, if you're uh, trying to head a ball, or you're trying to fit up a tackle, or even if you're, you know, running the bases uh, in baseball or softball and slide the wrong way, you know, you put yourself at risk potentially uh, in a lot of things that you do uh, for neck injuries or, or something like that. Um, you know, heck you could be at home trying to fix something and whack your head against the, the trunk lid and, uh, and give yourself a nice little uh, ring a ding. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's all, everything kind of has an inherent risk. And I think sometimes certain things are too, villainized um just for the sake of creating controversy i don't i don't even think that it's merit based or even factually based it's just opinion based stuff that's just thrown out there and you know it, it just gains traction because the quote unquote right person gets behind it but it doesn't actually mean that it's the right thought processor or valid or it deserves the time in which it's given yeah and i i agree i posted something on twitter because i had read a thing um in the sports science nsa sports science book that said something about there's a lot of anecdotal evidence that or anecdotal evidence with no proof and people just propagate you know stuff and then like i actually got like backlash on that from people saying oh this is just science talk and you know the science will all the research will always be behind the, the practical stuff and um yeah i guess the point was like to look at it from a, a more of a, more of an analytical background it's not necessarily saying like just you know research is the only thing that matters and anecdotal stuff doesn't it's does the anecdotal stuff ha actually have evidence or proof and you know there's or was it gone about in a scientific manner or at least you know critically evaluated or did someone just do something like you said it just catches traction and everyone's doing it and they don't really know why um so and that's where a lot of like my my i try not to get engaged in too much stuff but a lot of my like frustrations come come from is not necessarily like the answer that people have it's how they came up with the answer and like the reasoning behind what they believe it's like if you believe something and you can, uh, you know, rationalize it or when you explain it, it makes sense. You know, even if I don't agree with them, I'm like, OK, like I could see how you think that that makes sense. Let's move on. But um, when you start to ask people, you know, why they think something or how, you know, how the, how they've come up with that answer. Um, and then it's just based on a bunch of stuff that is not valid or not, you know real then it's like okay well i can't take a lot of what you're trying to say seriously now because what is you know just making stuff up you could make stuff up but that doesn't make it right and the other big thing i always try to say is just because something works doesn't mean something doesn't work better so like just because you're doing this method and your kids get, you know gain 10 pounds on squat well if you would have been doing this other method and they gain 20 pounds on squat don't you still want to try to figure that out um so that's I just get stuck in there and then I just end up not saying anything because I don't want to get dragged into anything. But 
those are my thoughts on, on do you that. feel like that's kind of the deal with the you know teach the clean don't teach the clean catch the clean don't catch the clean kind of those debates that's just cycle around and around you know at the end of the day if you're teaching it and you can teach your kids to proficiently do it with good technique and they get and they get good results out of it then then leave it be if someone wants to do you know a couple of different movements um and still get similar results i mean just let them let them be like i i think there's sometimes at least on snc twitter there's argument for the sake of argument and it's not anything other than just a measuring contest or you're just wanting to show everybody that they can put some words together um they're not necessarily trying to persuade any one group one way or the other they're just they're just stating how they feel and then they want like some people want the engagement in a negative way and then other people are genuinely seeking the engagement to understand the why behind those feelings yeah and it's and it's hard to tell you know what the intentions are on twitter when people post it because there's no there's no context there's no nuance there's no tone in their voice or look on their face like that kind of stuff if you and that's why i think i said last time on here maybe a different podcast but if you get these people all in the same room arguing about the same topic they're going to agree, you know, on more stuff than they don't, or there's not going to be any like misinterpretation of what's being said to escalate to like these ridiculous Twitter things that happen. Um, but there's, there's not a lot of room, you know, for that. And I guess people have different reasons about why they post. If it is just engagement, then yeah, you can just post like ridiculous stuff and you're going to get engagement. And then it's like, it makes it hard for people trying to actually learn or ask questions to learn because they just get blasted and you're like okay i mean you know is this beneficial for the field i don't, I don't know but, but apparently that's a, that's a lot of places on twitter it's not just snc twitter it's, it's a and t trainer it's that twitter it's, it's <laughs> but every little like subculture on there is going to have their own thing um money twitter i know there's a lot of funny stuff on there but you know whatever speaking of more context you know you you have your i guess for lack of a better word infamous tweet about the the crazy uh less than 30 you have 30 minutes uh to get all this done and and you know i'll let you explain more um but this is not a real programming and not a real workout that the coach put his kids through this was strictly a uh a, a deal that you did um to kind of express some of some some thoughts uh related to programming in the industry but i'll let you kind of expand more on that yeah well my initial reason for posting it was around it was when one of those other you know random whiteboard posts was going around and getting all kinds of likes and retweets and it's just some workout with no context on a whiteboard it's, and it's posted by a big figure in the field, but not retweeted or anything. So we don't know where the picture came from. We just have a picture and a whiteboard and, hey, you know, this is a high school workout. This is why we need high school strength coaches. And, you know, it, it was a dumb workout probably, but it, maybe not that ridiculous. So my my thoughts are always by blasting this person, by sharing their stuff and blasting them is the original person that wrote the 
workout going to see it? And no, first of all, they're not going to see it. All this great feedback that they're getting. Second of all, if they see it and all these people are just talking smack to them about how dumb their program is, are they going to want to listen to them about ways to change it? No, that's not probably, I mean, it's probably not the way to go about it. Um, so then really that just leaves us to why are we doing this? Because everyone's going to agree with me. And when I post it, you know, it's going to get engagement because of course we should all have strength coaches if high school workouts look like this. And my thoughts are, do they really look like this? <laughs> are there really workouts out there like this or are coaches just making stuff up and saying, man, look at this workout and then posting it for engagement. And I know that probably doesn't really happen, but that was the idea behind the tweet of me posting a ridiculous workout on a board and it was supposed to be a thread, which it was supposed to be funny and it didn't really <laughs> turn out that funny, but it was supposed to be a thread and I put a thread and then the next tweet was a picture of me just writing the workout on the board. And maybe, maybe that, maybe I should have done a video or something. I don't, maybe I should have put some more words in there. I don't know. Cause people <laughs> you know, didn't seem to understand that the point was you post this thing, but you actually made it. So it worked and it worked. It got it, you know, it got, it got a bunch of engagement, but people didn't understand that it was fake and it was supposed to be fake. It was supposed to be so outrageous that people couldn't believe it was real, but some people thought it was real and, and stuff. And I'm like, you know, if we can't even critically like think about this, you know, how are we going to, is this is how we filter all the information that we get. Then no wonder, like some people out there are doing bad stuff. Cause they got, they have no, like, yeah. So. Well, you know, and just going back and reading through comments, you, you start to see people figure out this is a joke, but then uh, there's a few that are like, no, this is, there's actual reality in some of this, like, you know, there is some of this asinine programming going on for, I don't know the, the exact reason other than, you know, maybe they're just negligence in the sense of like, there's so much information that this is what they used to do. So they're just going to go back and revert back to that type of deal. Is it the fact that um, they did not do a proper job of pre-planning and, and seeking out someone's assistance in creating a program? Or do they just spin spin the wheel on social media and look for something to piece together because oh, they haven't been in the weight room for several weeks, so let's just make sure we're going to hit it one day this week, but we're going to hit everything at once because we haven't been in for two weeks, um, not realizing that the infrequency is going to create, tend to create more soreness than more frequency with time for your body to adapt. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's probably, it's probably a bit of, of, of all of those um, things in terms of that, they either don't know or they're, you know, they're just putting it together last minute kind of thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of information out there now. So, like, if you just look, the problem is it's, like, where do you look? If you're a coach that doesn't know anything and you type in, you know, what, high school baseball workout, you, how are you going to know what what pops up is good? So I think, yeah, you know, having someone look over it, like you said, that would be good. He didn't, you know, there might be coaches that don't see enough outside input or, um, you know, if they don't know what they're doing, they should have the self-awareness to know that. 
so that could be part of it but but i mean i guess it's it's tough because like i'm we're in, we're both in texas and we understand like high school snc here is big and you can imagine like this really happening you know many places here even even in scenarios where there's a sport coach running the weight room it seems you know it's still a sport coach running the weight room it's not a piano teacher which i got in different twitter debate about that because someone was comparing ridiculous things and i'm like no i don't i mean i know what you're trying to say but i don't think it's the same comparison uh, but I, I forgot all the context we want to talk about that but um yeah you know do your research if you're going to be in charge of kids the problem is we don't have there's enough people to you know coaches out there to be in all these roles but there's not the roles created yet uh, where people value it so it kind of comes from above that's like hurting the kids is the people don't understand that they need a strength coach and they let random people run it and all that stuff that you said happens uh you know they just do what they did 20 years ago but then at the same time if if you get tasked with something i don't know you normally like most people would want it I don't know if most people would do it, but ideally you would try to learn some stuff about that if you're going to be like implementing it or, you know, the one in charge of it. Um, I know I, I would be if I was having to do something new. Hey, you got to go coach baseball now. Like, OK, I know a little bit about baseball, but I don't fully know all the details. Like, I'm going to go research it before I do it. And um, I don't know how much that happens because I think people are just like, I'm a coach of this sport and I get an extra stipend, $2,000 to also be in charge of this. and you know, they get the $2,000 whether they know what they're doing or not. Um, they're just the one that's in charge of it. So, no, that can that can be an issue too, I think. Yeah. I mean, as far as at least, you know, where to go to get information and at least figure out where, how, you know, to do it, obviously to me, the NHSSCA is a great place to start, right? It's a it's a huge network of strength coaches that have that, that and, then, and more than likely, there's somebody in that organization. More, good chance they're in your state, but at least somewhere else in the country that has some at least enough similarities to your circumstance at school to give you guidance, whether it's population size you know, weight room size, you know, access to equipment, whatnot, there's enough there. Then obviously, you know, you go above that and you have NSCA um, and USA weightlifting, like those are some good resources right there that are going to at least open doors, um, you know, to, to, to more people, um, you know, the validity of certifications especially in, in our field is, is great because it's important, you know, it, it's, uh, I talked about this with Glenn Revel, like it's, it's a liability thing to have a certified person in charge of that. Right. So, so you can help mitigate those types of things. If, if something were to present itself versus just having the sport coach, well, if you just have a sport coach, you know, Where's the oversight above them to kind of check their knowledge and what they're doing? And, and like you said, 
there's a lot of people that are, you know, you move up the administrative ladder, they're just going to revert back to what they used to know or what they used to do. Uh, and then as you get further and further away from the actual, you know, in the room on the field coaching, the, the knowledge base gets potentially further and further diluted, right? You know, we always joke about, um, you know, APs and principles and moving up that chain. You forget what it's like to be a teacher, you know, so you forget what it's like to be a coach and, and the time constraints placed on that. So, you know, having a dedicated person to go to on your campus to me is just a, a valuable resource. You do it on the educational side and why would you not do it on, on the strength side where, you know, it's, it's these kids opportunity to create more opportunity for themselves in the future. And you're, you're, you're investing in the kids. Like ultimately that's, that's who we're supposed to be helping. So having a full-time strength coach is, is really only investing in the kids. Um, you know, having another extra person in central office, does that really invest in the kids or are you just investing in your buddies? Uh, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, I mean, great points, you know, with, with the resources out there too. Um, NHS SCA. Yeah. I mean, and those are the, those are the, the good, those, the good coaches or the good people you see that post in there and engage with those types of groups are, Hey, I've been passed off with this job. I want to know more about it so I can, you know, do what's best for the kids. And there's obviously a lot of people that reach out and do that stuff, but, um, you know, it comes back to like you, the person in that role having to pretty much be a good person or like have a mindset, a growth mindset to get better, to want to learn, you know, with what they're being asked to do. Um, so that's always going to, you know, that's, that's a, a bigger thing than, than the resources, but cause if you know of those resources, you can find them. And if you don't know of them, they might pop up when you, when you search something. Um, but I can tell you that most of our sport coaches don't know what the NSCA is or the NHS SCA. And if they went to go find, you know, workouts to do, I don't know if those things would even come up in the, in the search or like, I don't know if they would know, you know, go to search there. Not, so I don't know if they would find it. It's still hard to find the resources, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, or there's, there's going to be, so, there's how many different strength and conditioning or personal training associations that how are you going to know which one's legit and has 60,000 members versus one that's got 600 members. And, you know, they're all posting training content. You, you know, you still have to be able to decipher that. Um, but yeah, I mean, to your other point, I think it's easy for us to see the value of strength coaches and um, what it can do for kids and, you know, just part of having a unified or a good athletics program. Um, and, and then that, yeah, it comes from the people up top. Like they have to understand, I'm not saying they have to be an athlete, but they have to definitely understand what athletics can do for kids. And, um, you know, I guess what a good program looks like, uh, which, yeah, administratively, I don't know how many people come up that route. Like I know here, and it must be unique. I'm not sure, but like our superintendent was a baseball player at Baylor. Um, our athletic director was a college coach. Our assistant athletic directors were, were, you know, coaches for a long time. This is 
for them the first year they've not coached and being an administrative role. So, and, you know, they help us push the program forward because they know what it's like coaching. Um, they know the importance of strength and conditioning. And so they support us um, in those terms. But yeah, I think, you know, our district and, and really probably Texas in general is, you know, on at the forefront of what's going on in high school, SNC, probably along with a couple other states, Florida and stuff. But um, I think like we're, you know, things are moving in the right direction. It's just going to take a while. Like it's taken this long to get where we are now. Think about where we want to go. And it's, it's still going to take a long time, even though, you know, even if everyone knew that, Hey, strength coaches need to be in every high school, it's still like, it's still a process to get that done. So, um, you know, convincing people is one thing and then actually, you know, making it happen, creating room in the budget. Yeah. If it's as easy as just replacing one person in the office, that's great. But if it's, you got to go to the board and say, Hey, can we get another $70,000? Cause we want to pay our coaches good and bring in this other coach. And they have, and that's the thing. If they have kids that go to the school, they'll be all for it. And if they don't, well, my kids in band, why don't we get new band stuff? So, you know, it just comes back to like, maybe greed at that point. <laughs> getting, it's, it's all about getting the right people on the bus in the right place and stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, and not, not to diminish the arts because I, I think those are, equally important uh, for kids, whether they're athletes or non-athletes, um, but, you know, just what athletics, what strength training can do for you for the length of your livelihood or the length of your lifetime, uh, much the same as, you know, if you play an instrument or you paint or you sing, you, you know, you're, you have a talent in that sense, like the, that does wonders for you probably more than just math and English and science and not to diminish those core subjects, but, you know, there's a lot of data peer reviewed articles that support those statements. Uh, so it's not like we're over here just making up our own, you know, anecdotal stuff. Like, no, it's, it's, peer reviewed it's researched it's proven like those are huge important things in the development of youth and adolescents like giving them access you know taking them taking pe away from young kids is ridiculous taking taking arts away and taking athletics and and strength training away from kids is is ridiculous because you know how how much better would would mental health be for these young people and even for teachers and, and coaches that they would have these outlets to kind of re redirect their energies and, and change their mindset and give them a reason to come versus giving them a reason to potentially be disruptive. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I wasn't trying to diminish the arts either. Like, no, I think, no, I think they're important too. I'm just saying like, you know, people are selfish and, 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 you know, not, not everyone, of course, but in general, if it, you know, if you're trying to pitch it to a panel of people, self-interest, it's going to be hard for them to not have any biases or like impose their self-interest on the decision. Um, and I mean, at some, at some level, it's, it's probably a money thing somewhere up or down a chain, you know, these, stem subjects are getting money from somewhere to 
be implemented more and maybe the arts i mean i don't even know like what type of things you know do that but yeah it, it is looked at as um you know not as important even though we know it is and i'm sure if you ask the arts people they're kind of having the same conversations like we know how much it can benefit them we know how, how much value we bring to students and stuff and there is data out there there's a lot of data out there that people just ignore in the sense of like money or political issues where it's not even they're not trying to do what's best for the people and the kids they're doing doing what's good for the money somewhere so um then that's why i think it's going to be like really hard to fully change the field unless you have someone very high up that is making all these things because other you know you either going to have to make 500 600 i don't know thousands of school districts across the U, you know us all come to the same conclusion or you make one person up high enough that can you know make a decision or whatever pat i don't know you know i don't know what it looks like but legislatively if you can convince one person and get it done for everyone versus trying to convince everyone independently i think you have more luck um or you know better success so that's why i think like it needs to be superintendent and like you know, politician level type talks going on about this type of stuff uh, to make real change. You can make change, you know, hey, we fundraise it for a position, we got it for a year and like, that's great on the small scale and locally, you know, do what you can. Um, but in terms of that, saying every school needs, every high school needs a strength and conditioning coach. We have a lot of coaches that are willing to work for dirt cheap. Clearly we have figured that out. Um, in the schools, you know, any any high school they work at is going to pay more than you know half of these, all these GA and half of these D1 assistant jobs. So like, you're going to be able to find fill those roles if they get created with good people. Um, but to create that many roles, it's going to take time. It might happen someday, but if it's 30 years from now, like there's still a lot of work going on that whole 30 years. It's not just like you know all of a sudden every school's got a strength coach. It's it's going to happen taking a, a slow change even once yeah even once everyone's on board so yeah you know it's um over my little vacation uh i was in houston and went to uh a local you know, cafe and uh you know my dad knows the owner and so he's always just talking about uh, myself, my sisters, what's going on, sharing stories, whatnot. And uh, um, he's told a guy about the podcast and then obviously uh, with, with my coaching career, whatnot, and the owner was happened to be there that he went in and he was like, you know, when are you going to take it to the next, you know, when are you going to the next level with, with your career or whatnot in terms of you know, coaching? And I said, man, I, I don't really have a desire to, it's, it's nothing wrong with, you know, collegiate or or professional level but there really is more stability at the high school level and like you said like the pay is going to be more often than not it's going to be better than your your gas and your your second and third assistants uh and, and not to knock those people and, and that way there is there is some greatness um some great opportunity and great experiences learned that way but it doesn't mean that it's the only way to do stuff like you talked about earlier like if we're still getting stronger doing two different ways of programming you know find a way like if, if person a and person b take different routes for both achieve you know their in their desired end result 
there's nothing necessarily wrong with the way in which they got there, but is there a little bit more of a streamlined middle ground way? Like to me, spending time at the high school level as a strength coach is important because you who you're dealing with, um, you know, and if you're only ever exposed to the top end people, you know, what happens when, when that's not there for you anymore or, you know, how, how do you grow yourself um, in that regard? Like um, coaching football, they talk about spending time at the middle school and learning, you know, cutting your teeth, coaching junior high football and ninth grade football when, um, of course, you don't have to teach them how to put their pads in their pants anymore, but uh, they've, you know, they wisely went to more, in, you know, pad pads integrated into the pants, which I'm sure saves a lot of time, money, and space, but you know, I, I can't remember being a junior high kid. Like, which way do you put your thigh pad in? Where does the cup go? Like, there's all these things that they don't teach you in school, right? You you go there and you learn it on your own um, or you learn from other coaches. Um, you know, and it's just, it's important. You know, I think one of the biggest deals that I, I take from you, aside from just, you know, learning how to be more research focused in, in approaches at times is also just you, know, you, you do a good job of just putting your content out there and, and you're creating fun for your kids through training right for us we're always going to want to train because it's wired into us right you spent time as a competitive uh weightlifter uh as well as bodybuilding and powerlifting so like that's just part of your dna like uh, I've flirted with the idea of potentially competing in a powerlifting meet um, in the future and, and those types of things. Uh, so it does, we're always going to have that, but not every kid that walks into your weight room loves that place, but they can at least enjoy certain things. Like they can have something to look forward to because they're not going to be necessarily the strongest, but they could be the best from a, cognitive standpoint in one of your games or uh they just excel at that game so it gives them a little bit of something right they don't always have to be the kid picked last like maybe they're picked in the middle of the pack because they are a little bit better at this strategy or um you know change of direction or whatnot yeah i mean uh we we see that a lot with you know big bigger kids like you know, obesity is more prevalent now and there's just kids that are younger that are bigger than 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 before you know and they if they can, if they can move with decent proficiency a lot of times they do excel there because they're stronger than everyone now we, you know sometimes they're young or we don't you know talk about absolute strength um all the time but the absolute they and relative strength sorry relative strength so like relatively compared to someone smaller, they might not be as strong as them, but they have the most weight on the bar because they're the biggest. And, you know, that might be um, what they're best at. And that's why, that's why I like strength sports in general is because there's weight classes and kids that can't hit a volleyball can, can lift weights or, um, you know, and it's a, you know, kind of small like niche sport, but it's, big in Texas powerlifting is and and even you know I was working at a weightlifting gym here where I trained and I would push kids there because I'm like you know people go from a sport they played their whole life 
don't make it in that sport, do weightlifting for two or three years and go to the Olympics, maybe a bit longer. I don't know. There's, I know there's <laughs> college athletes that have transitioned. I don't know their timeline, but my point is, you know, if you, the more things you try, the more, the better chance you have at being good at something. So if you only play volleyball your whole life and you're not good at volleyball, like that is quite unfortunate. But if you play like volleyball and five other sports and you're not good at volleyball, but you're maybe better at another one, then like now, you know, that, and now you can pursue that. Um, and because weightlifting and powerlifting are relatively small sports compared to, you know, a volleyball or baseball or anything like that, kids have a better chance at being good because there's not as many kids that do it. So like, we had some volleyball girls this year that did powerlifting. They were, they were juniors. They hadn't done it before. They went out for powerlifting and they went to state. Like, and the, I mean, and then they end up liking another sport that is going to help them with vo their volleyball because now they, oh, lifting heavy when we're doing powerlifting is cool. Now when we're trying to do it with volleyball, we didn't like it, but now we do like it because we actually are strong. Um, so that realization is, is huge for, for kids. And that's, I mean, that's one reason I like to expose kids to weightlifting besides all the physiological benefits I think it has. It's just giving them something new to try that if they go, if, you know, if they go play college sports, even though a lot of coaches don't do it, there's still a lot of coaches that do cleans and maybe not as much snatches, but a lot of, a lot of college programs still clean. So, you know, all things being equal, if they now know how to clean when they go to college and not any less explosive as if they weren't cleaning for four years in high school, now they just know how to do that when they get there. They don't have to learn when they can deadlift 500 pounds and you're trying to get them to clean with 135. Like that's not going to be fun for anyone. The bar, you know, doing bar work because they've never been exposed. So yeah, even though you program for the 94% or whatever, and there's the 6% that go on or, you know, you could still expose everyone to to that and there'll be kids that are good at weightlifting that aren't good at any field or court sports ever and they could become a you know weightlifter and I'm not saying you're trying to create olympians with your training philosophy but it's just more of just in general exposing kids to different things and letting them figure out what they like i mean same with school band stuff like that i mean if you're not good at math but you go take a music class and you're really good at that you know now, now, you know that now you can pursue that. Um, but even myself, like training was super ingrained in my personal, I guess, experience, but that's one reason I got into weightlifting was like, you, you, you can get bored or like lose motivation when you just, your training is boring. So I, I did do weightlifting. I've done, you know, and I've gone through phases where I didn't train as much and it felt weird. Cause yeah, you do feel like it's part of your identity. Um, so for me now, I'm trying to just get back to making it fun. Like I used to love training and then for a period, I'm like, I don't even like training anymore. What am I doing? This is the one thing I've always had. Um, so, you know, I've gone back to like doing bodybuilding type workouts. Um, and just, I haven't really been doing much weightlifting. My knees messed up, but so that's one reason. But another reason is just like, I just want to go to a globo gym and, you know, throw it out on a cable machine. And I can't do that in a strength and conditioning facility that I already spend eight hours in every day. You know, the last thing I want to do is another workout in there. Um, so yeah, gotta, gotta keep things fresh and new when you can. No doubt, man. Well, one of the other things that I don't know who, how many know, but uh, aside from 
the research and the lifting and, and the coaching is, uh, you know, you're, you're a girl dad and a snake dad. Um, where did the, the love of snakes uh, come up? And, you know, I think I saw uh, you posted, uh, how old's your, your girl now? She just turned three months. Well, she's like three and a half months. Three and a half months. Man. So, so first off, congratulations on that. That's awesome. Um, but, you know, where did the love of snakes come from and, and why snakes? I appreciate it. Um, my uncle, so my dad is Cuban. Um, they're all from Miami. They're all from Cuba. They live in Miami now. Snakes in South Florida are a big are a big deal. Um, so we would just go visit him. Uh, I've actually lived in Florida at one point in my life, like growing up when I was a kid. Uh, so I saw him a bit more. But he he had a ball python. This was years ago. So he's always had multiple snakes. It was never just one. And the ball python was small. And I you know handled him when I was a kid. But then he's also got boas that are ten foot and stuff. Um, so that's that was kind of it. He was really the only person in my life, I guess, that that had a snake. But I always and then I saw that there's different morphs of this snake and they, you know, they have all these custom color patterns now and breeding and stuff. And it's maybe not uh, healthy for all the different, um, you know, versions. But um, I've, and then there's just this white one that's all all white but it's not albino and I just have always wanted one of those uh, kinds of snakes. It's a ball python. So when COVID hit, I like, we would go for walks outside at the park and I would just watch like snake care videos, <laughs> like, just do research um, all day about how to take care of them and stuff. And then finally, like, I mean, it was not really an impulse decision because I like did some research and prepared for it, but it was a thing that happened because of the COVID and the stimulus checks. And if that didn't happen, uh, you know, it might be another 10 years before I got, before I got the snake, but it was my uncle. Um, and he, he's got, he's still got snakes. Um, but I always just kind of liked them growing up. That's awesome, man. Well, enjoy what's left of your summer brother. And, uh, you know, I, I wish you all the best uh, going forward in this in this coming year, man. And you know, hope to continue to foster our friendship. I appreciate all the things that you do uh, for me. I know we've, we've been able to have a lot of conversations about a lot of different things, and it's it's awesome. I appreciate all the support you give the podcast and, and the Iron Speed Chats. And um, if people don't already know, what's the best way to get a hold of you if they want to uh, talk more? Uh, regarding S and C or read any of your research, things like that. So research, research, my research gate profile uh, is going to have all my research up there. I think they all have public text for that. You can just download and read. Um, whereas it might be behind a paywall if you try to access it a different way. Um, so if you want to read the research, that's probably the best, the best uh, spot to catch me. Um, otherwise just, I mean, Twitter, my, my Instagram's mostly personal and, private or whatever but my twitter is public so i think people can just dm me um i mean facebook whatever <laughs> all good man well i'll make sure to put all that in the show notes i highly encourage everybody to follow coach pachardo on, on twitter uh read his research um you know I'm, i know i want to 
dive deeper into it. And, you know, just like I said, man, wish you all the best in, in the future this year. And uh, hopefully all your kids have awesome gains uh, and then your knee gets better so you can go kick ass again in competition. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. You too. Knees, knees healing. I'm switching to powerlifting because I can, I can deadlift and bench. I don't need a, <laughs> so I can squat good now. I can low bar squat. I just can't high bar. So we're going to, we're going to try to make it happen this year. So, but same to you, man. Thank you.